0: Amen. I would like to welcome everyone today. So good to have you in service today. We've got some some first-time guests. We also have some guests today that are some familiar faces through the years. And it is wonderful to have all of you in service with us today. Amen. Amen. And if you're watching us online this morning, wherever you're watching from, we pray that you're blessed by this service this morning. God is not limited to a location. Amen. Praise God. Second Chronicles chapter 28. Second Chronicles 28. going to read verses 1 and 2 to start with, and then in a little bit we're going to read more from this chapter. But Verse number 1 says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did not that which was right. In the sight of the Lord, let's say that in a little simpler way, he didn't do what was right in God's eyes, (laughs) like David, his father, for he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. My uh, at the risk of my title sounding a little bit uh, disrespectful or whatever. I want to preach to you this morning. My, I have a question for my title, and that question is, "Who's your daddy?" to you look at somebody and say, "Who's your daddy?" <laughs> Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for your spirit that's already working and moving in this place today. Thank you for hearts and lives that you are already touching. Father, I pray now that through your word you would speak to somebody's life today. I pray, God, this morning, I pray again that you would not let this be a sermon, but you would let it be a message that would come from you to touch somebody's heart in life today. God, let it be a clear message. Let there be faith to receive that message that you would desire to say. I trust you today. I depend on you for your anointing this morning, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated The book of Chronicles, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, is in essence that. It is chronicles of the history of the children of Israel and covers much of the times of the kings of Israel. The first king of Israel was a man by the name of Saul. Israel was essentially led by God as a nation. God had some men that he spoke through but then they decided we we want to be like the other nations and we want to have a king like everybody else and so they finally got what they wanted I I will warn you sometimes God will give you what you want even though it's not what's best for you because you can persist to the point that he finally says okay if you're going to keep up then I'll give it to you and so He did that. He did that with some warnings to the children of Israel. I'm going to give you what you want, but there's going to be some heartache and pain that's going to go with it. And so Saul was the first king, and Saul started off okay, but Saul didn't end well. And so God chooses another man at the time. He chooses him. He's just a young shepherd boy, has no right to expect this because according to even to what was the understanding of the times, really one of Saul's sons should have been the next king. But because God rejected Saul, he chooses somebody else, and the one that he chooses to be the next king is a man by the name of David, or at the time, a young man by the name of David. And the Bible says of David, one of the highest compliments, I think, that could ever be paid of anyone, he says that he was a man after God's own heart. What is really encouraging to me about David is he was far from perfect. In fact, if you were to read the life story of David, if you would read things in Scripture about King David, you would find he made some pretty significant mistakes. In fact, if you were to simply compare Saul and his mistakes to David and his mistakes from a human perspective you would come to the conclusion that David was worse of a man than Saul was. But the difference was their hearts. Saul had a heart that ultimately became about him doing what he wanted to do and trying to protect himself, whereas David had a heart that was first and foremost about a relationship with God. And so when David started to get confronted over his mistakes... He was more interested in trying to maintain his relationship with God. And as a result of everything David did and how he handled his mistakes, God says to David that from now on there will always be a descendant of yours that's going to sit on the throne. And so Ahaz that we have read about this morning is one of those descendants. In fact, He is the twelfth, if I'm not mistaken, from David to sit on the throne. But the verse we read this morning, verse 1, says, He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. In Bible times, it's really not the case anymore, at least for the most part. But in Bible times, a name was very significant with regards to its meaning that that applied to places, but that also applied, and probably in some ways, more so applied to individuals. There was meaning in the name. Abraham's son, that was the son of promise, his name was Isaac, and that name means laughter. And the reason that he was named that is because when the time came and the Lord indicated to Abraham... My, I'm, I'm now going to fulfill my promise to you and your wife Sarah at 90 years old is going to be pregnant and have a son. She laughed, which most of us would do today. So just as one simple example, another one is Jacob, one of the great patriarchs of Israel. His name, the name Jacob, meant supplanter. He was a schemer. He was a conniver. And much of his life, he lived up to that name. But there came a point where he got a name change. And his name change was he went from Jacob, who was a supplanter, to Israel, who has power with God. So I say all that because I I want to tell you the name of Ahaz, its meaning, and for you to understand, I'm not just simply throwing it out there for trivia's sake. But Ahaz's name means one that takes or possesses. One who takes or possesses. And I will read to you a little bit more of the story, of a little bit of the history of Ahaz. And I think you will understand how that name applies and why the meaning of that name was significant in his life. We go to verse number 3. It says, Moreover he, and it's speaking of Ahaz, burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children, notice that, his children, in the fire. After the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel, he sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Verse number 3 is telling us that he literally, not figuratively, he literally sacrificed his own children. Had them killed to appease other gods. And verse number 4, the reference there of the burning of incense in high places and on the hills and under every green tree is, is in reference not to burning incense to the one true God, but He is burning incense to other gods. And one of the reasons that's so significant is because one of the fundamental principles that God gave to the children of Israel is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one And beside that God, there are no other gods. There were instructions given to the children of Israel that they weren't supposed to worship any other gods, that God would not be pleased with that. And so, not only are the people of Israel and Judah involved in this, but the king. You know, please, please take this in the proper context, but... There are things that some of you may be doing right now in your life that we would, while we may not approve of it, okay. But the some of those same things, if I was doing them as the pastor of this church, it would be a whole different thing. Not that God, no, I understand I'm not saying God has two standards. But you understand it wasn't just... The citizens of Judah that were burning incense to other gods. It wasn't just the citizens of Judah who were sacrificing their children to another god. It was the king himself. Violating some of the most fundamental principles, laws that God had given to his people. Skip down to verse number 16, verse number 5. Through verse number 15 is more turmoil, more issues, more trouble that is going on under Ahaz's reign. And verse number 16 says, At that time did King Ahaz send unto the kings of Assyria to help him. He's he's now going to his enemy to get some help because of the turmoil and the challenges that His kingdom is facing. For again the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives... The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the low country and of the south of Judah and had taken Beth Shemesh and Agilon and Gadaroth and Shoko with the villages thereof and Timnah with the villages thereof, Gimzo also and the villages thereof, and they dwelt there. So his, his, his kingdom is being invaded, it's being attacked. And rather than going to God, and there is a history... There is a history for his people of God intervening on their behalf. He's got the history of, of all the way back to God's God taking his people, his, his ancestors out of Egypt. Miraculously delivering them from the Egyptian army. It, it was his ancestors that walked through the Red Sea. I, I don't know about you, but I believe what the Bible says. I believe everything the Bible says. I believe if the Bible said it happened, it happened. I believe there was a Red Sea and that it literally and there was dry ground and three plus million people walked through and when they got through the other side, the water closed up and swallowed up an army. I don't believe that's fiction. I don't believe somebody made that up. I believe that is absolute fact. And I use that story in my own life to build faith that whatever I'm facing, God has the power and the ability to do it but i got to be honest, those weren't my natural ancestors. But Ahaz had his own ancestors that he could go back to and say, this is what God did. This is how God, this is how Jehovah delivered our people. And rather than turning to Jehovah, he goes and makes alliances with other nations who believe in other gods. Verse 21 Ahaz, remember his name, means to take or possess. He took away a portion out of the house of the Lord and of the house of the king and of the princes and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. He he goes and takes some things from the house of the Lord that belong to God and uses them, uses them to pay off the king. He takes, not only, you see, not only does he take possession literally of those things, but, but, but more, more significantly to me the meaning of that name is he was taking possession of his own life. He was choosing to run his own life. He, he somehow missed that the success of David was the fact David was not trying to run his own life. It was He, he missed the, the example of Saul and then the example of David that if I will trust God and I will allow God to run my life, if I will give God control of my life, he, he knows how to do it. Right. But Ahaz takes possession and then literally takes possession of some of the things that belong to the Lord and to the house of the Lord. Verse number 22, And in the time of his distress... Did he trespass yet more against the Lord? This is that King Ahaz. That means when things got worse, he didn't even finally wake up. Anybody ever had one of those wake up moments? (laughs) You know, Okay, you know what? I've been trying this long enough. I've been trying to do it my way long enough. I'm done trying. God, I'm giving up to you. It's kind of like the prodigal son. The Bible says he, he did not actually eat the pig's food. It says when he was just about to eat the pig's food, he, he came to himself. He woke up and realized, you know what? Even the servants in my father's house eat better than this. <laughs> even the hired people in my father's house are treated better than this. And the Bible says he came to himself. And he goes back to his father's house. But even after all of this... In his time of distress, he goes even further in trespassing against God and the commandments of the Lord. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him and He said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all Israel. I'm going to trust in their gods. I'm going to appeal to their gods. The Bible says that's the ruin of him. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God. And cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. Not only does he take away things that belong to the house of the Lord, he now bars the doors so that those that may still be trusting in Jehovah as the one true God are no longer able to go and worship that God in His temple. And in every several city of Judah, He made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of His fathers. So not only does he worship other gods, offer his own children as a sacrifice to other gods, he stands in the way of those believing in the one true God, being able to worship that one true God. And he now provides ways for people everywhere to be able to worship other gods. I realize that in, in, in twenty nineteen, living in a democracy, I, I realize that maybe the the significance of what I have read and what I've said to you so far maybe it maybe it doesn't mean all that much to you. It, it's kinda like it's kind of to me like the twenty third Psalm. Most of you probably in this room have either either heard the 23rd Psalm, and many of you probably can pretty much quote it word for word. It's often used at funerals. It's words of comfort at a funeral. But let me ask you a question. In 2019, who really cares if God is my shepherd? How many of you see sheep on a daily basis? I don't know. We and Going in and out, I don't know if they're sheep or goats. I can't determine. They're goats. They look like sheep to me. But you know, the Lord is my shepherd. So? Y'all all right? Man, y'all are awful quiet this morning. I don't know. This is all going a really good place so just in case you're wondering. But I, I you you got to get this. The Lord is my shepherd. Who cares? But we all value that passage or many of us do because we understand that the guy who said it was a shepherd. And so when he as a shepherd is describing the Lord as his shepherd, it really meant something to him. And so while I may not be a shepherd and I may never be around sheep, I, I, I can grasp the principles of what David was trying to say. And so I realized burning incense to other gods and high places and, 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 and taking things from the temple of God and all this, I realized in 2019 we, we can sort of be like, so what? I'm, I'm not gonna give any examples, you can do that yourself, but, but I'll just say it to you this way, just, just, just take somebody that you know of that's, that's in the news or, you know, they're, they're being talked about because of such a despicable kind of person that they are in today's world, and, and, and in essence, that's what Ahaz was. I mean, what I have read to you in that day and time and in the context of the fact that he was the king of God's people, he he would have been top of the tabloids. (laughs) He would have been as despised as some of the people that we despise today. That was the life he lived and that was the heritage that he was building for the next king and the next king you know it's not like a president because you know we obviously we've had presidents that were the son of a previous president but that that's that's a very rare thing that's not a given but you do know we understand that in a monarchy it's usually family that becomes the next And so, now, Ahaz is going to pass off the scene, and the next king is going to come, who is going to be his son. You imagine taking the throne, living under the shadow of Ahaz's legacy. Can you imagine being crowned king and everybody knows who's your daddy and how he lived and what he did? And now you are going to assume the throne. At 25 years old, the Bible says, Hezekiah becomes king. You see, Ahaz's name meant takes or possesses, but Hezekiah's name means strength of the Lord. Ahaz trusted in the strength of Ahaz, or in the strength of others. But Hezekiah comes along and he's got a different name with a different meaning and Somehow, apparently, he came to understand the source of his strength. 25, 25 years old, 25 years old, he assumes the throne. His father had reigned. His father had created this. Horrible legacy, and the children of Israel, the children of Judah, were in bad shape. But here comes Hezekiah. And the Bible says, I remind you that it says of Ahaz, He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. He rejected the Lord. He rejected the ways of the Lord. He did his own thing, his own way. But it says something very different about Hezekiah. It says of Hezekiah, He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. His father did not do what was right in the sight of the lord hezekiah comes along and the bible says he did can i this this isn't the ultimate point that I'm getting to but can I just stop and tell somebody it doesn't matter how others in your life have lived it doesn't matter how your parents have lived, it doesn't matter the reputation of your family it doesn't matter what your heritage is it doesn't matter if you come from a line of people that don't have a good reputation, that does not mean that all you can do is carry that on the same way in which Hezekiah comes along. And rather than following in the footsteps of his father, he decides for himself, I want to do what Jehovah wants me to do. I want to live the way that Jehovah wants me to live. And he decided to do what was right. You and I can do the same thing. One of... One of, to this day, one of the most powerful statements I have ever heard in my life that has awesome spiritual application. I read it in a book in a business class in college. And the book was talking, or at least this part of the book was talking about sales. And it was making the point and it made this statement. Your your future, your future does not have to simply be an extension of your past. This isn't the point, this isn't the primary point, but I can't get past this right now. Tomorrow does not have to simply be more of what yesterday has been. Oh, I understand from a natural perspective, why should we expect tomorrow to be any different than yesterday? I understand that's the way it works naturally. But we are not here today trusting and relying on the natural. We are trusting in a God who hung on an old rugged cross so that my future does not have to be a continuation of my past. One one of many stories in Scripture that demonstrates this is the story of Naomi that's told in the book of Ruth. Naomi and her sons and her husband were living in Bethlehem and a famine came and they decided to leave. And they went to a place called Moab. And when they went to Moab, Naomi's two sons married wives Married women in Moab. The Bible says after a period of time, Naomi's husband died. And her two sons died. And so she decides, I am going to go back home. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And she tells her, do- her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpa. Not Oprah, Orpah. She says, I'm going back home. But I understand this is your home. These are your people. And so I am releasing you from any obligation to go with me. The Bible says Orpah responds and she takes her up on the offer and she decides to stay. But Ruth says... Wherever you go, I'm going. Your people will be my people. And most importantly, your God will be my God. And so she goes back home, and when they get back to Bethlehem, people see Naomi coming, and they begin to greet her, and they say, here comes Naomi, and Naomi responds. Again, don't forget the meaning of a name. Naomi responds and says, don't call me Naomi anymore. She says, call me Mara, because God hath dealt bitterly with me. What she was saying was, I am not who I used to be, and I don't have a future. I don't have any expectation for anything good in my future. Everything in my past is now gone and it's dead. Don't call me what you used to call me. But God had a whole nother plan for Naomi and Ruth was a part of that plan. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Ruth, you find out that what God had in store for Naomi, even though she had been through all kind of heartache and pain, the end was greater than the beginning. Your past does not have to determine your future. Your past does not have to determine your future. Paul says of us, we were, we were fornicators. We were idolaters. He lists a whole bunch of things. He says, but God but God, who is rich in mercy. He says, such were some of you. I respect and I appreciate what man tries to do to help. I respect and I appreciate man's effort to give us 12-step programs to help us with our addictions. But when you get done with that, you all you are is a recovering person from that. And for the rest of your life, you're just recovering. But can I tell you this morning, there is something greater than living the rest of your life as just recovering. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And all things, all things have become new new. Anybody ever bought something from a consignment shop? Anybody ever bought something from Goodwill? Anybody ever bought a car from a used car dealership or you bought it from somebody else that already owned it? What do you usually go and tell people? I got new clothes. I got a new car. Call you. Hey, guess what, man? I just got a new car. Really? Where? What'd you get? Oh, I got a Ford Pinto. You got a what? And and we do that, man. I I, my wife was. I've been so blessed in many ways. One of the blessings I've benefited from is my my wife. My wife knew where the consignment shops were, and she she knew how to find bargains. We come home. We had little little ones. She come home. I guess I got got the kids some new clothes today. The whole bag of stuff. How much you pay? Three dollars. Hallelujah. Sound good to me. Here's the point. That's not the kind of new that Paul was talking about. He wasn't talking about used car new or consignment clothes new. Paul said, if you're in Christ, you are a brand new creature. Everything is passed away and all things have become new. I realize to your intellect, to your natural mind, that does not make sense. But I don't live my life based on this natural mind. I live my life based on what the eternal word of God says. somehow Hezekiah realized I don't have to just follow in my father's footsteps. I don't have to just live a life that repeats my father's life. I can do something different, be something different. And so it is said of Hezekiah, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That, here's, here's the, here's the, here's the punchline we we I, I one of one of i think esther's the one that got us all into it i think several of us in our family have been listening on audiobook now to a series called gods and kings and the first book deals with the story it is a f- historical fictional account the first book is about Ahaz, and then essentially the start of Hezekiah's reign. And about three days ago, I was winding up book one. And after the story stopped at the point they stopped, they then read... Second Chronicles 29, verses 1 and 2. Verse 2, he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. But when she read this last part, I hope it does for you what it did for me. Otherwise I will quickly exit stage right and go home. Not really. Who 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 I, I know you're all pretend that you did not read that, okay? Don't you did not see that. You did not read all of this verse, okay? Who who was Ahaz or excuse me, who was Hezekiah's father? Who? Ahaz was Hezekiah's father. Ahaz, the one who didn't do what was right in the sight of the Lord, the one who sacrificed his own children, burned incense to idols, made alliances with enemies, didn't trust in God, took things out of the house of the Lord, barred the doors of the house of the Lord. That was that was his father. But what does it say? Who? You can put it back up there. Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David, his father, had done. Not only Was he able to decide I'm not going to live the same life that my father lived. But I've got something even better than that. My identity for who I am is not going to be wrapped up in my father and what he did. But the Bible says his father was David. That means you and I... The opportunity to not have to live under the reputation of an earthly father or an earthly family or simply our own lives. But I've got another father, and he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father! I've come to tell somebody today there is a heavenly father that is the father whose shadow you can live under. And you don't have to say who your father is from a natural earthly perspective. But my father is the heavenly father. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Hezekiah, who's who's your daddy, Hezekiah? Oh, Oh, you want to know who my daddy is? He's a man after God's own heart. He's the one that sat out there on the hillside singing songs of affection and adoration and hunger to God he he's the one that sat on the throne and 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 when he was confronted for doing wrong he found a place of repentance and God forgave him and and he's the one who pleased God that, that's who mine is who's who's your daddy today are you living under the shadow of your earthly life and what you've experienced so far? Are you are you interested in accepting today? When they look at me, let them say of me, his father. That's his father. That's his father. I, I know it doesn't always happen. I understand this. I understand this for a lot of ways it doesn't happen this way. But there's a man, and many folks know, and Brother Scott Shelton, that's preached here many times, many times, and they've got, they've got, they've adopted three children so far, and the third one's a little boy. His name is Malachi. See, two now? He's around two. I, I promise you. I promise you. Again, I know this is not the story all the time. I understand that. But I promise you, if you saw his picture, or if you met him, and no one had told you he was adopted, you would have never thought. For a second. You would have never questioned that Brother Scott Shelton was not his father. Again, I understand that's not always the way it goes. I get that. But let me use this one for right now. Because that's the way this works spiritually. When I am adopted. When I'm adopted, and I allow that adoption to truly work in my life, you'll start looking at me, and then you'll look at my father. You'll look at me and look at him and go, Yeah, I I see the resemblance. That must be your dad. What you don't know is I was adopted. What you know, what you don't know is I, I, I had to be adopted. But you know what? Now I do look like him, and now my identity comes from him, and and now my future is based on him, and and now I'm not worried about my future because of what my past was. Oh, I, I, it, I if if it's just one, if it's just one, if it's just one, that's good enough. But. I got a feeling there's more than one person here today that the heavenly father I I didn't tell him to sing that song this morning I did tell him to sing it again at offering I I didn't tell him to sing it the first time we've been singing all morning you are a good, good father see we're why, why am I supposed to trust and believe in Him? You, you don't know the father I've had. Why, why would I want Him to be my father? You don't know what I've gone through in my life. Any, anything worse than what Hezekiah went through? Are you dealing with anything worse than what Hezekiah dealt with? Is the stain of your past, is the shadow of your family that you've lived under, is that any worse than what Hezekiah had to live under? But the legacy, the legacy of Hezekiah that we read in 2019, a story that took place thousands of years ago, is that he did right in the sight of the Lord and followed in the footsteps of David, his father. Some of you have already been adopted, spiritually speaking. Some of you have already been adopted, but perhaps, perhaps the significance of that is never quite settled in. And the Lord would like today for you to get a better glimpse of what it means that you have been adopted by Him. And then there's some people here today, you've yet to be adopted by him. But he would love to make you his today and take away all of the stain of your past, all of the shadow that you've lived under from your past, and for you to be able to say, That's my father. You want to know who my daddy is? That's, that's my daddy. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are, please? I believe I'm preaching to some people this morning who are living under the weight, under the shadow, under the stain of your past. And some of you have got really no hope for your future. You have pretty much come to the conclusion my life, the rest of my life is going to simply be survival just somehow trying to make it from one day to the next I've come to tell you this morning that doesn't have to be your future what I am thrilled to be able to tell you is There are people that are sitting in this room around you right now that are living testimonies. Living testimonies. Our our faith is based on the Word of God. Our faith must be based on the Word of God. But i got to tell you, I I, I build my faith in the Word of God. But there's also another level of faith that comes when I hear somebody tell me their story of what God has done. And I hear that God really is the same today as He's always been. And there are people that are sitting in this place today that can testify to the fact that... (laughs) The father that I should have been known by is very different. The father whose shadow I should be living under is not a good father. But I've been adopted. I've been taken in by the heavenly father. And so now you want to know who my identity comes from. You want to know who I take after. It's my good, good father. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if nothing else, just to simply respect those around you. You're sitting here right now and you're willing to acknowledge that the Spirit of the Lord, not a man, not a human being, but the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you today. That God is speaking something that is resounding in your heart. I want to invite you to respond to that right now. You, you can do that right where you're sitting, but sometimes there's something about kind of taking a step physically that demonstrates something spiritually. And so if you want to just stay where you are, that's fine. You're welcome to do that. But, but if you're also willing to acknowledge, you know the Lord is talking to you today, and, and you really want to leave this place today knowing that He's your Father. You're not living under the shadow of your past. You're not living under the shadow of an earthly father or an earthly family heritage, but you can start brand new today. I want to ask you to get out of your seat and make your way down to this altar as a sign to you and to the Lord of saying, God, I'm embracing you today as my father and trusting that you are embracing me today as your son or your daughter. That my future, my future is not going to just be a continuation of my past. I'm going to follow in your footsteps. I'm going to follow your ways. And in following in your ways, it's going to be a whole different legacy. It's going to be a whole different reputation that is built different than what I was or should have been known by. In the name of Jesus, maybe there's somebody nearby you that you recognize the Spirit of the Lord is talking to them right now. Would you just maybe lay a hand on their shoulder or grab a hand and just pray with them right now? We've got some people responding and coming to this altar. Would somebody join with them, please? Come on. I believe God has orchestrated this service. Again, We don't always sing something that connects directly to the message. I understand that. It doesn't always happen, but it's happened today. I believe it's happened today because God is so interested in communicating to somebody today. "I, I want to be the father that you are known by. I want to be the father that you identify by. I want to remove the shadow, the stain of what you think you should live under. I've got a whole new identity. I've got a whole new legacy to build through you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, right now. Father, right now, let your spirit confirm your word. In the lives of individuals in this place today, let your spirit confirm your word. God, I pray right now if somebody's just simply hearing a sermon, that your spirit would touch their heart right now, God, to confirm to them that it's not just a sermon, but you are, in fact, God talking to them today, wanting to work in them today, wanting to adopt them or to affirm the adoption of them. That's who I am. I'm not my past. I'm not my past. I'm not simply a continuation of my family history. But I'm adopted by you. I can be adopted by you. I can be known by something completely different than what I expected to be known by. You're a a good, good good father. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. Church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Don't be put, I'm not encouraging you to interfere or or, or push anybody, but please be sensitive right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The Holy Ghost is trying to do something in some hearts and lives in this place today. Oh, I'm loved, I'm loved by you. Who I am, who I am loved by you. I'm loved by you. I'm adopted by you. I've got a new identity. I've got a new identity. You've given me a new identity. I'm not living under the shadow of yesterday. I'm not living under the shadow of my past. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I can